Well, we've been in Acts for 10 weeks now. Can you believe it? Yep. I, uh, you know, about week five, I told Nicole, do you think people are getting sick and tired of listening to Acts? <laughs> and here we are t- uh, five weeks after that. So I hope you've enjoyed it as much of, as much as I have. Um, I have to admit this morning, my title is actually stolen the title, not the message. Cause this was a, um, a series that our pastor did, um, on just the last couple chapters of acts. And it was called storms, shipwrecks, and snake bites. So I stole the title. I must admit. Um, but I, I think it's just so appropriate. And I really wanted to read that, that passage of scripture this morning, because how many of us know that life is not free from difficulties? Well, this last week, as we dive into Acts chapter 27, we're skipping from 19 to 27, um, and, and we're going to start getting into some Easter uh, messages. And so I, I really wanted to um, bring it to a good close. But then next week, I just wanted to let you know that um, Brian Shaw is actually going to be bringing the word to us next week. And so come and hear God's put a message on his heart for our church. So come and hear what uh, God would want to say to us next week. Um, also the Gideons will be here giving a little presentation. My grandfather was a Gideon, you know, that we went and celebrated his life, um, this year. He was a Gideon since 1975. So, uh, he knew, he knew and understood the importance of God's word. And next week we're going to have an opportunity to hear from the Gideons again. Uh, I think that their ministry that they do is, is so special. Um, one Bible, um, how many people was it? 2,500 people are impacted by one Bible. So that's, that's quite a few people that, you know, that's anybody that opens the Bible, reads a passage in it. 2,500 people are impacted by one um, Bible that's put into a hotel room. So that's pretty impressive. But uh, this week we're going to, we're going to look at how we can prosper in storms by embracing God's presence, promises, plans, and power. So let's start off by reading Acts uh, 27 for a few verses here, 13 to 26. It says, when a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeastern swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along as we passed, uh, To the, I think I have a misspell, but as we passed to the lee of a small island called uh, Kata, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. So the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together because they were afraid there would, they would, we would run ground on the sandbars of uh, Syrtis. They lowered the sea anchor. They let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. Now, I know this is talking about a a ship and um, taking a battering, but how many of you have experienced batterings in your life um, when it comes to storms? So much so that you want to start getting rid of stuff, even good stuff sometimes. They threw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up good courage because no one of you will be lost. 
Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the Lord, uh, the angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some islands. The first thing that I want us to see this morning is in order to prosper in storms, um, we have to embrace God's presence. There's a, there's a saying by A.W. Tozer. He was actually a, um, a philosopher, uh, a prophet in the early uh, part of this century. He said this, The world is perishing for lack of knowledge of God, and the church is famished for want of his presence. You know, we come here every week and our desire is to really see God in powerful ways. And the, and the world is dying without knowing God, but we're dying from starvation as a people that should know God and should know God's presence. We suffer through shipwrecks and storms and snake bites because we forget to turn to God in the midst of those storms. The presence of God is powerful. Why are we waiting to experience God's presence of God until we're in elbow deep in trouble, right? God has made himself available to us here and right now. There's, there's the world that is dying and they desire to have a relationship with God and they'll come running to him in the midst of um, troubles. We saw that on 9-11, the biggest thing that I saw people from outside of the church come into the church in my life was 9-11. The churches were full, but soon people... Start, started walking away because they no longer needed the presence of God. But yet, us as a church, we're dying in the midst of coming to church because we are not allowing God's presence to infiltrate our lives. If we, if we practice right now, church, if we practice right now living in the presence of God, right here and right now, what we're going through, the good, the bad, the ugly, if we allow the presence of God to infiltrate our lives right now, then we'll have a basis for when we face storms and the presence of God will be powerful in our lives. The power of God and his presence can be powerful all the time. So embrace it now when you're experiencing good times. Well, maybe some of you are experiencing bad times. It's never an inappropriate time to turn to the presence of God. The second thing that we uh, realize is to prosper in storms, we have to embrace God's promises. Did you know there are 3,000 promises listed in the Bible? Why do we have such a hard time believing God's promises? By show of hands, how many times has God lied to you? <laughs> Good, I'm glad no, nobody raised their hands. You know, we base our promises, our, our, our trust on promises by our expectations that we've experienced through human broken trust and promises. And so when it comes to the promises of God, we're sometimes not sold to the idea that God will keep his promises. Second Corinthians one twenty says this, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Can we say amen to that? Amen. amen. God does not break his promises. He is not a liar like, man, uh, how, like mankind is a liar. 
And we do not want to look at God and his promises as if we were simply human beings transactioning back and forth our promises and our trust because God is not someone that will lie. We can lean on God's promises. When we face storms, it's important to know that the promises of God are trustworthy. So how do we learn the, the trustworthiness of God's promises? We pick up his word every day and we put it in our hearts so that when we face those struggles, you know, I'm really good at taking my phone Okay, Google, what's the Bible say about God's promises? You know, I'm really good at that. And in a pinch, that works. But what happens when we make those promises very real in the depths of our hearts? And they become truth to us, not simply facts on a paper like we talked about last week. Jesus is is really just facts on paper until we get to really know who he is. Well, the same is true about his promises. They're simply facts on paper until we ingest them and they become a part of who we are. The third thing, um, how do we prosper in storms? We embrace God's plan. In verse 24, it says, and, and he said, do not be, a, be afraid. You must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you all the lives of those who sell with you. Paul could have gotten out of jail before he went onto the ship. But he says, I want to go before Caesar. I want to be able to be in the presence of Caesar to plead my case for Jesus. And, and God said through this angel, all the lives of the people on board are going to be saved. How many of us have struggles sometimes realizing the plans of God to be true, even though God has directly spoken those plans to us? Right? It's just a part of human nature, I think. I think it's a, it's a part of doubting or questioning that that we are human beings, and that's just a reflection of that. When is the last time, however, that you've asked God to reveal his plan for you? How do we understand the plan of God if we're not asking him to reveal it to us? And then it comes back to the believing the promises of God. Because God, if you ask him to reveal his plan... He promises to reveal his plan. So it's kind of like this cycle. If we're not believing his promises, how can we expect to believe his plan? And if not, we're just simply lost, utterly lost without God's plan, God's promises and God's uh, presence. Aren't we? If your plan does not a plan to honor God, if it is not a plan to bring God glory, if it is not a plan um, that, that you understand that God wants to prosper you and not to harm you, then I would reevaluate the plan that you think that God's revealed to you. Because your, God's plan for you brings him honor, it brings him glory, and it brings you blessings. It may be through hardship or trials, but his plan will bring you blessings. Four things to do while waiting on the plans of God. The first is to seek him. I think sometimes we... Just sit back waiting for God to uh, download into our brains the entire plan that he has for us. But God's like, I'm over here. Hey, come here. Come closer. I want to reveal incredible things to you, but you have to come this way towards me. And we're like, it's okay. I'm over here. I'm fine. Take a step towards God and experience the incredible blessings that he has for you. And he's going to reveal those things. The second thing is be faithful Right where you're at. 
Sometimes we become dissatisfied with God's plans because we're not happy with where he has us right now. But know that God is a God that is a creating God. God will not simply bring you into the season and keep you there for the rest of your lives. There are are people that God will bring into a situation and he'll have you go through that. But your day-to-day will not look the same because we serve a creating God. God brings new opportunities every day. And he wants us to be faithful where he brings us. And if you're faithful where he brings you here and now, God will continue to bless you and bring you into his plan. The, The third thing is to listen. If we're only interested in talking, then we're having a hard time listening. I have a certain daughter that likes to talk a lot over there. And it's like, stop talking for a second so we can talk. I guess she's tired. I didn't get much reaction out of that one. If we're always busy um, talking, it's hard to listen. And so take the time to listen to God so that you can understand his plan. And then the last thing, it's, it's probably the worst part of the entire wanting to know God's plan. It's waiting. Waiting is awful, isn't it? I do not like waiting, but it's necessary. It's a necessary part of God's plan, especially when waiting seems like it takes forever. <laughs> I guess that's the part of waiting. The last thing with regards to uh, how do we embrace God's um, presence, promise, plan, its power. How do we prosper in storms? It's through his power. When I look at this story and I think of the shipwreck that's taken place, did you know that there are an estimated 3 million shipwrecks at the bottom of the ocean? That's an incredible amount of shipwrecks, right? Paul and his adventure to Rome could, end it, could have ended tragically. Every one of those people on board could have uh, died because of their lack of wisdom when it came to this storm and their desire to get to Rome, even in the midst of winter storms coming. That's what sometimes we have seen. We saw that out here in Newport this year. We saw some ships go down because I don't know if it was a lack of wisdom or they just got caught by the storm, but it was a shipwreck nonetheless. When we evaluate uh, the storms in our lives, we cannot evaluate the storms without understanding the power of God. In the midst of those storms, we've talked about the Holy Spirit through the process of this last 10 weeks. The Holy Spirit is what brings us wisdom, which drives us to do that, which what God wants us to do and gives us the power and the ability to do it. The things that God calls us to do without the power of God. We are simple human beings struggling on our own to accomplish the miraculous in this world. But with God, all things are possible. When you understand the power of God in your life, you will never look at a storm in your life the same way. Storms become little tiny nothings to you because you you look at the storm and you go, you know what? I'm facing this incredible insurmountable odds right now, but I know the God that I serve and I know that he will bring me through this storm. You know, there, there are some ways that we survive through shipwrecks. Patience. Prayer and pieces of wood. <laughs> in, ver- in chapter uh, 27 of Acts, it continues, the story continues. Then Paul said to uh, the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes and held the lifeboat and, and let it drift away. Th- that doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? Let's cut the lifeboat and let it go. That doesn't make sense when it comes to being on a ship that's about to go uh, run aground. But Paul said, let it go. So I think I, I guess I would ask you this morning, what are the things that God's asking you to let go that you're holding on to with 
so much force that you're white knuckling it. How many of you have driven and, and you're like, I'm in control and you have that steering wheel and your knuckles start turning white and your hands get cramped. What is God asking you to let go of this morning? And, and you know, it may seem like this incredible ask because is he asking you to let go of the very thing that in your own mind will save you? Will bring you comfort, will bring you joy, will bring you peace, whatever it is. What is it that God is asking you to let go? For them, Paul was saying to the soldiers, by the way, he's not an experienced sailor. He made tents for a living. He's saying to them, let the ship go. Because if you don't, everyone won't live like God has promised. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from your head. After he said this, he took some bread, gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Although uh, there were 276 of us on board. When they'd eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. Again, practicality speaking, we've been adrift for 14 days. We have no idea when we will hit shore. Let's throw off the rest of the food. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they let them into the sea and, and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudder. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow struck fast and would not move. And the stern, the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. That just doesn't make sense to me when I read that. It's like, come on, guys. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to get uh, on their planks and their pieces of the ship. And this way, everyone reached land patiently or safely. I'm sorry. 276, um, probably all men, were saved because they listened to somebody that lacked any kind of for the most part, wisdom when it came to sailing Paul, because he said, I trust in God. God has spoken to me and we should do this. 276 men who could have potentially died in the midst of a storm, who made decisions to get rid of the very thing that would save their lives, the sailboat or the little life raft, which would have not held 276 people, by the way, and all the food. They had thrown the tackle overboard a lot away before that. So they had no means of catching food. All because, because God wanted to reveal, in order to survive this shipwreck, you must show some patience. Hebrew 12.1 tells us, run with endurance the race set before us. George Matheson wrote, we commonly associate patience with lying down. We think of it as the angel that guards the couch of the invalid. Yet there is a patience that I believe to be harder. The patience that can run. To lie down in the time of grief, to be quiet under the stroke of adverse fortune implies a great strength. But I know of something that implies a strength greater still. It is the power to work under stress, to have a great weight at your heart and still run, to have a deep anguish in your spirit and still perform the daily tasks. It is 
a Christ-like thing. The hardest thing is that most of us are called to exercise our patience, nor, uh, not in the sickbed, but in the street. The, to wait is hard. To do, do so with good courage is harder. I would ask this morning is, if you're facing things, God says do it with endurance. Do it with courage. Do it running and stop, and stop laying down. Because God has called us to run a good race. And he has given us the necessary things in order to accomplish that good race. The second thing that will, will be necessary to survive the shipwrecks in your life is prayer. We see in verse 35 that Paul encourages the entire ship full of people, many of which had no probably spiritual uh, basis for understanding. But he simply took the bread and broke it and gave thanks in front of all of them. I want to encourage you today. Let your faith be in public, what it is in private. Don't, uh, don't come back from having courage in the midst of storms. Allow people to see you walking through those storms because it may help other people get through their storms. And then the last thing, pieces of wood. Sometimes I think um, that we look for the obvious things that God might use to save us from shipwrecks. But God uses whatever he wants. And he uses how, them however he wants. So, so for some of us, we're in the midst of that shipwreck. We've already gone through the storms. We're in the midst of the shipwreck. The, the ship is breaking around apart, apart from us. And God's saying, hey, look at that piece of wood. Start kicking. Uh, it's, your, it's your kickboard. Start kicking towards shore. I think that I, I look at that and think, sometimes we are looking at God and saying, okay, what's the plan? How are you going to get me through this, God? And God's saying, grab a piece of wood and start kicking. You know, God's plans aren't always, ta-da! He's saved us and rescued us from every situation. God sometimes says, hey, Eric, this is going to be a lot of work. This is going to be a struggle. But I've prepared you. I've endowed you for, a, for such a time. And guess what? There's a piece of wood. Start kicking. What's your piece of wood that you need to grab onto? It's all kinds of different things in our lives. What's your piece of wood that God's telling you to grab onto? Because I can tell you this, in the midst of your shipwreck, God has not left you alone without options. And even though the broken ship might not seem like a good option, it may be the only option. Grab and start kicking. How many of you have gone through shipwrecks? Storms to just be bitten by a snake. Sometimes it seems like when life knocks you down, it just keeps knocking you and knocking you and knocking you. And you're sitting here going, oh God, when am I going to get a break? Anybody? Yeah. Chapter 28, just the first few verses. Once saved you on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of um, brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper driven out by the heat fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw that the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, the the goddess justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people 
uh, expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said, to, uh, said he was a god. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home and showed us generosity, hospitality for three days. His father was sick in bed, suffering from uh, fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. They honored us in many ways. And when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with supplies we needed. I ask you again, how many of you experienced storms and shipwrecks simply to be bit by a snake? And sometimes we get bit by that snake and we throw ourselves on the ground and say, woe is me for I shall surely die. I've been there. There have been circumstances and situations, even in my life, my young life of 37 years. Some of you are double my age, but there are things in your life when you feel like (laughs) I got to shut up on church on a Sunday morning. It's not fun to experience um, when you feel like we serve a God that wants to rescue us from the storms and the shipwrecks to simply be bitten by the snake. We, we kind of throw our fist up and we get angry with God and we say, God, why would you, you know, it's a natural human experience to, to be angry and, and try to source our anger out to wherever it goes. God has broad shoulders. Our anger does not need to land on God because God's walking us through it. You know, what I see from this story, this this last part of this story is that <laughs> if it was me and I got bit by a snake, this, ah! you know, but, but Paul simply shakes it off into the fire. And then the people start looking at him like he's gonna, he's about to die. Cause he must be a murderer. You know, the natural, obviously next step is he's a murderer for sure. Okay. But he doesn't die. And God rescues him and uses him to go to the, uh, the island's chief, if you will, and lays hands on him. And I just see in the story that it's so beautiful, God's continued provision of health. When Paul's bitten by a viper and should, should really die, God rescued him from that experience. And then God would use Paul to go and bring healing to every person that's on this island. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. We, I, am really good at sometimes being a spiritual crybaby. Like, God, why are you letting this happen? God, it's your fault. God, you could have delivered me through this. You could have allowed me to not have to go through this. God, 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 why, why, why? But then I look at this scripture and I I say, you know, even through the midst of hardship, it's because God wants what's good for me. He wants me to be a a person that finds perfection in the results of, of perseverance and encounters of various trials. He wants me to lack nothing. And in the midst of trials, storms, shipwrecks, and snake bites, all in all, he simply wants good things for me. And you know what? The story ends 
much like the entire book of Acts is that God uses whatever circumstances and situations to impact the people around us, around Paul. So much so that when they get ready to leave, they say, let us bless you. And I would like to end our time in Acts by saying this. Let us live in a way that after people have encountered us, that they said that they say to us, how may I bless you? Not that we expect anything in return because we do it open handedly, but let us live our lives that people look at us and say, how can I bless you back? And then guess what? We can bless people together. God is good. Isn't he? You know, I, um, one of the, the best uh, quotes that I heard this last week through all of our really emotional week of being with my grandfather is Mark Twain said this, live your life that when you have your funeral, no one has to lie about you. <laughs> I want to live my life so that when I die, nobody has to lie about me, but that's so that people also are blessed that are around me. Let's pray together. Father God, Lord, I thank you for such an inspirational book in, in, in your word, the book of Acts. And Lord, although we will not ever be per se the church that, uh, that we see in the book of Acts, let us take some of these principles and things that we've learned and let us apply them to our lives. Let us be people that are bold in our faith. Let us be people that are encouragers of, of other people's faith. Let us be people that stand boldness, boldly in the, the face of adversity. Let us be people that are empowered by your Holy Spirit. Let us be people that do not uh, simply shy away from the things that you're doing in our lives. Let us stand boldly, Father God, knowing that you have a plan and a purpose for our lives. Father God, let us stand boldly knowing that you do not leave us as orphans on our own. Father God, let us be people that stand up against injustice, that bring truth to the city of Brookings. And may we see lives and families and marriages. May we see the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk. May we see the demon-possessed person be set free. May we see the witches in this community come and burn their books because they see the power of Jesus Christ is way more powerful than anything that is in their witchcraft books. May we see people come in droves to your son, Jesus Christ. And may it not just simply be because of this church, but because of the greater church of, of Brookings and Curry County. May we come together as churches in this community, not backbiting or thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought, but Lord, let us bring um, love and acceptance of those other churches in this community. We are on the same mission with the same purpose. And may that purpose be, be to bring Jesus Christ to this community or where we've shied back because of uncertainty of what to say or how to act. May we stand and press forward with boldness because you are a God that continues to change lives. You are a God that continues to heal. You are a God that continues to set people free. And Lord, may you use me, a simple human being. May you use those in this church simple human beings to bring about your will and purpose for our lives, for this city that we live in.
Lord, we pray for this upcoming week of prayer in April. Lord, right now we pray that the blessings of heaven would be loosened. That your purposes would be revealed. That we would walk patiently. But understanding that you have a plan and a purpose in all things. So, Father God, be glorified through us. Be honored and blessed because we want and desire to see you move. In your name we pray, amen.